Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to episode 149 of the Naturally Nourished podcast. We are super excited to be bringing you this episode after a much needed team vacation in Tulum. And oh my gosh, it was so much fun. We'll talk more about it in a sec and update you guys a little bit on what we did. But today's episode is one that we keep getting requests for, and though we've covered the topic in several episodes on women's hormones, we decided it needs its own dedicated spot today. So we'll be talking about how to get your cycle back. And I know this is a hot topic, especially in the keto community with many women losing their cycles when they go keto. Yes. So we will be uncovering a lot of the why behind it and what you can do to reclaim balance in your body. Because as much as we may not look forward to getting our friend per month, (laughs) and it may seem like taking a vacation off from your menstrual cycle would be a good thing, as we discussed in the episodes 106 and 107 on birth control and period, you know, really getting a menstrual cycle is a cardinal sign of health and balance in the body. And as I've been harping on with my most recent work with everything HPA access, it's really indicative of the body feeling safe, if you will, or in that parasympathetic state of balance of allowing the body to cycle. And as we'll talk about today, when we are looking at hypothalamic amenorrhea, likely the primary cause that we'll be unpacking in why you would lose your, your period or your cycle, a lot of that has to do with distress. Okay. And before we go there, let's just give a little bit of a light recap of our Tulum trip. Although listeners may have already seen it all on Instagram, so they might be sick of hearing about our awesome vacation. Um, But I never never ended up uploading that fancy gallery, take your shoes off, walk through the water stones place. I think you should (laughs) do a a throwback Thursday this week or something. Maybe. I don't know. It was oh wild gosh. though. It was, it was definitely a uh, California meets Mexico hippie chic hybrid. Uh, I can't really use the word hippie correctly because everything was so damn expensive. Yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> so, LA meets Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Boho LA Mexico yeah. vibes. Uh, my favorite part, bar none, uh, was the fact that Byron and Becky had gone the year prior. So they established a relationship with a cab driver, Martine, and he was our personal buddy driver for two days. So when we went on excursions, they call them cenotes. They're basically spring fed water, uh, which a lot of towns use as their main water system. Uh, but it's all, you know, just like a well would be underground, but there's these beautiful caves with stalactites. Is that the word? Stalactites? 
I always forget so. which one's which, which one hangs down and which one hangs. Well, they would have both, right? right? Stalactites yeah. and stalagmites. Uh, sure. One's on the bottom, one's on the top. <laughs> Either way, they were in the cave. <laughs> and uh, so we did some really cool kind of snorkeling and outside adventures. And it was really cool having an insider scoop. Martine took us into town, downtown Tulum, to get some authentic tacos and always, you know, would get us tickets to something instead of us buying. So we didn't get the, you know, increased Americanized pricing. Uh, we got really treated like locals, which was awesome. Yeah. I think he was awesome. Shout out. If you, uh, listen to the podcast, Martine, we should send it to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his long, long drives. Um, but it's always so good. To, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, to meet someone local like that. And, and, you know, we, try to do that everywhere that we go so that we get the the inside scoop. Um, and then some of my highlights were definitely the food. Um, although it was expensive, um, we had some really amazing and totally worth it meals at Heartwood. I think that was probably Heartwood my, was my favorite. favorite. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, that was where we had the lobster. It was all like fire roasted lobster and two amazing fish dishes. Well, and then everything's our- like fire roasted yeah. because <laughs> all of the kitchens are outside. So it's like you eat in a jungle. It's like this main strip and every kitchen is outdoors. So you're seeing the stars and the tree line and a, a, almost all of the kitchens are outdoors as well. And so they use these wood burning, uh, like almost like pizza oven type deals to cook your food. So you get that complexity and that richness of flavor. And then also, which intermingles with your palate, I would say is they burn copious amounts of copal, which is this resin, which, uh, has a lot of cleansing properties. I ended up buying some myself that we'll be using in our new home. And, uh, it also keeps bugs away, which is really awesome. Honestly, be, for being out in the jungle and in a pretty indigenous space, bug population was very low, except for the ant invasion in my hotel room. But <laughs> other than that, you know, I mean, like there's more roaches in Austin, yep. definitely more roaches in Houston. Um, but as far as, you know, undesired large bug friends. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. I got zero, zero mosquito bites. I think the whole time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the property we stayed on, it was, it's called Sanara. Is that right? S-A-N-A-R-A. And, uh, it is a small kind of boutique yoga focused resort that also houses the restaurant, the real coconut. And the real coconut is also located in California. And this was the other sister location in Tulum and everything is paleo. So grain free, gluten free, corn free. So anytime we'd get something like guac, it would be served with like a beautiful vegetable crudite, but also with in-house made coconut chips. Uh, so that was really awesome. I think I ate there like three of the four days that we were there just for maybe like a pool bite type thing. And, um, it was really awesome to know that clean quality sourcing, uh, for, for quote unquote bar bites, uh, really felt like a luxury. So quality of food sourcing and cleanness and how easy it was to do like a paleo keto that was a big surprise to me. In fact, Brady, <laughs> the one day we got tacos in town, Brady was like, dude, I can't believe we went to Mexico and I didn't eat any Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a big classic, you know, more Tex-Mex kind of guy. So it was kind of funny. 
too fancy for Mr. Miller. <laughs> Bone marrow doesn't meet his, you know, Mexico fix, I guess. Oh my gosh. But it was so good. <laughs> and a lot of ceviche, a lot of raw fish, probably to my demise, because it took me about five days post-trip to get my GI back on track. And I should have been more aggressive with my use of berberine boost. I took it a couple times. Uh, I took activated charcoal on the last day because I was having some urgency, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yep. And uh, I think it was a combination of my microbiome mixing with cenote swimming. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Jumping off of the- Ear, nose, throat, you get some water in there. (laughs) All inoculated with Uh the stuff. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. And then, you know, yeah, eating really rich food, a little bit higher of alcohol consumption and um, a lot of raw food, honestly. I I didn't hold back any stops. And, you know, I did all the classic things. Like I did not drink tap water, but I had ice in cocktails Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and ate a lot of raw produce. And like I said, insult injury, a lot of raw fish and even some raw meat. So there you go. But my body's back on track. Good old Berberine Boost and Candy Activator. I've been rocking out four to six Berberine Boosts and three Candy Activators. My Rebuild Spectrum Probiotic times two and Targeted Strength. And within five days, back on track, rock and roll. And uh, here we go. Yes. I just updated our travel tips blog too, in case you're wanting to dig deeper on some of that supplement strategy and like what to bring with you when you travel, especially out of the country um, to places that are a little bit more off the beaten path or maybe don't have, you know, same sanitation standards and things like that. Um, You know, relax and regulate, I would say is another one that's key on the other end of the GI spectrum um, because you don't want to be on that out of town lockdown. That's usually the direction my GI tract likes to go. So that helped to keep things on track for me. And yeah, so just in summary, the trip was awesome. I would recommend Tulum as a place to explore. What was really neat was the immersion of the spirituality. And I think that was more present again with our, uh, you know, lodging being like a yoga type place. So it wasn't as like party vibe, which I appreciated. And, uh, we took sound healing classes. We laid on the beach and did stargazing. We saw sea turtles laying eggs. It was, it was pretty magical all around. We got some magical Mayan massages and yes. <laughs> they supposedly put my organs back in place where they're supposed to be. <laughs> I did a Palo Santo yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, massage. So mine was a little bit more, a little, maybe less I don't know. Yeah, but that was aggressive. <laughs> like, oh, that you're massaging my uterus, actually, sir. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you have to go to Sonara to learn more about that. Um, I, I digress. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into today's topic, let's have a word from one of our sponsors, which is very timely because I know we both always travel with our collagen sticks from Further Food. Yes. In fact, in Tulum, I incorporated collagen on the go from Further Food every day and even was including it in like super green spirulina shooters and things. So it was a lot of fun. And uh, I love Further Food products because they are the highest quality collagen, gelatin, and health food tonics. 
Their collagen is either wild cod derived or grass fed pasture raised bovine or beef hide derived. And that means that all of their products are non-GMO, hormone free and antibiotic free. So you can use these connective tissue supporting products to repair gut lining, aid in the integrity of your hair, skin, and nails, and also beyond being a beautifying food, which helps to reduce cellulite and create tautness and turgidity in the skin, right? So that that youthful, graceful aging that we're all looking to see and protecting us from the sun damage during trips and such. Also, so many benefits of collagen on our vascular function, our gut, as I mentioned, reducing food sensitivities, and so much more. Yes. And we delved into all of that back in episode 146, all about the benefits of collagen, but we absolutely love Ashley and her whole team. And we've loved working with them. Um, We had them out at the Food as Medicine at the Farm event earlier this year. We are planning and in the works for um, something upcoming in San Francisco for book tour, Uh, but they're a women-owned and operated company keeping things small and and really um, have an eye for sourcing and are willing to share transparency of their sourcing, which is huge in the collagen world. Yep. So uh, also super pumped to have Further Food as a sponsor of the Anti-Anxiety Diet Cookbook Tour. So, so much cool things. So those of you that come and visit me at any of my stops, you will get little goodies from Further Food. But don't wait until you meet me to experience them. Go on over today to furtherfood.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. You will get 10% off. And also that's a way to vote with your dollar and let them know that you found out about them through us. Uh, check out their mindful matcha, their daily turmeric tonic, collagen, gelatin, and so much more at furtherfood.com. Use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. Awesome. So before we dig into today's topic on getting your cycle back, I want to point listeners in the direction of some additional resources on this topic because we've done a lot on women's hormones. In fact, those are typically our top downloaded and listened to episodes. Um, So we've done a lot on hormones, cycle dysregulation, as well as keto for women, just because we have so many good ones at this point, I'll make sure I share the entire list of all related episodes in our show notes. But back in episode 44, we did a kind of general overview of women's hormones. And then we've got 48 and 49 on PCOS 106 and 107 on birth control and rebounding your body post birth control. And even more about like period 101 in there, I would say that's kind of where we lay the foundation of, you know, what is your follicular stimulating hormone versus your luteinizing hormone? What cascades and shifts occur within your body during menstrual cycle and in preparation of what is ovulation? So those are really good foundational, I'd say as like a tee up to today's episode where we'll, we'll be going deeper down the rabbit hole. Yes, absolutely. And then we had a really good one, 121 on keto and women's hormones. Um, Dr. Anna Kabeca is definitely a favorite that comes to mind, 123 on libido and getting your sexy back. Yes, 145, uh, just recent on endometriosis and infertility. And then even 146, which followed on its heels, keto as a hormetic stressor and all about leptin. And that was the episode that we did the KetoCon wrap up. 
but leptin kind of sets the, the stage. And I believe in both 145 and 146, after doing those, we knew this episode needed to exist. So here we are at 149. <laughs> All right. So many good ones. And I just realized, I think I said 146 during our further food sponsorship was the collagen episode. I believe it was 143, but uh, okay. <laughs> sorry, guys. We've got so many at this point. <laughs> yep. Sure. We talk about collagen in that yep. one too. Yeah. All right. So many, many good ones. I'll link all the relevant ones for you to go back to and listen to in the show notes, but let's go ahead and just kick off with some of the reasons that a woman might lose her period or experience amenorrhea in the first place. Sure. So amenorrhea is the fancy word for absence of a period during your reproductive years. And it is said to affect about three to 4% percent of women within that age range. Okay. Um, so cyclical aged women that are not menstruating and there can be various reasons. One can be post pill readjustment. Um, Dr. Uh, Jolene Brighton calls that, uh, birth control syndrome, uh, low body weight and low percent body fat are, is another big driver, uh, or a dynamic change in body fat or body fat loss over-exercising and eating disordered behaviors, so either calorie restriction with uh, anorexia or uh, binge purge cycling with bulimia, both of those can drive amenorrhea. Uh, Dynamic weight changes in general, as I mentioned, but we'll see most dynamically with a BMI under 19. Uh, Hormonal imbalance, so PCOS, low progesterone levels, Uh, breastfeeding and postpartum status can be a driver of holding your period off um, as the body is in active output for breastfeeding. Stress, dynamic stress response, medications, especially those that tend to be antipsychotics or antidepressants, and then some blood pressure drugs can influence your cycle, as well as, as I mentioned, the main cause, which I think will really hit in this episode, hypothalamic amenorrhea, or meaning that the brain, the hypothalamus, the H of the HPA axis is going to be driving dysregulation signals. Yes. So that last one is what we'll dig into predominantly. And a lot of the the causes that you mentioned, like um, low percent body fat or over-exercising or stress could kind of tie into that hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, So let's just unpack that a little bit. What exactly does that mean? Let's remind listeners on what the hypothalamus is responsible for and how that occurs in the first place. Sure. So again, the hypothalamus is the H of the HPA axis. And the HPA axis, again, is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal feedback loop that regulates our autonomic nervous system. So it's what regulates whether we are in our sympathetic fight or flight or our parasympathetic rest, digest, reproduce, metabolize side of things. Uh, The hypothalamus plays a big role in our primary regulation of our basic functions, keeping our body at a set point. So it's going to play a big role on our circadian rhythm, our body temperature, our thirst and fluid regulation in the body, our metabolism, be that it makes our thyroid releasing hormone, and then our satiety or regulation of calorie intake, as well as metabolism via leptin. And in, again, that last episode all about leptin, that we covered the mechanism beyond satiety, that leptin, when it docks to the hypothalamus, 
gives the body this kind of safety valve regulator. And all of this drives into the body of, of wanting to feel balanced. And so the hypothalamus as the primary regulator is going to make these adjustments based on external or environmental shifts. So uh, the hypothalamus also right away is going to play a big role with our hormone regulation, be that it's going to play a big role direct on the pituitary. Um, Gonadotropin-releasing hormone is going to have a big impact on the hormones that are needed for an egg to mature and uh, ovulate. So the FSH and LH are going to be both made by the pituitary gland, and that's that P stimulated from the hypothalamus. And generally speaking, hypothalamic amenorrhea is a condition where normal menstruation stops generally due to stress or overdrive of the hypothalamus itself. And this can be from calorie restriction, under eating, um, over-exercising or over-calorie output, and also mental and emotional stress. Yes. And we can look at it as kind of a, a lack of resources situation, right? Where um, your body doesn't have everything it needs to function properly. It's in some sort of a deficit, be it um, you know, an actual caloric deficit or um, the combination of stress on our hormones. Um, but it's shutting down this kind of unnecessary function of our menstrual cycle. Right. I mean, again, the, the hypothalamus has to maintain homeostasis or this regulation of the body for survival. And the period or the menstrual cycle is not going to drive survival of the host per se. Obviously, it has a huge role in survival of community um, you know, or population survival, right? But in the immediate acute timestamp, it's one of the lower priorities. Got it. That totally makes sense. So you're in survival mode. You may not need to be making babies at that time. Um, right. So right. I know we've talked about this in prior episodes, but I think it's super important to reiterate, like you said, it could be seen as convenient not to have a period, you know, not to have to run out to the store and grab tampons in the middle of the night or deal with PMS or whatever. But um, if you're of childbearing age, having a regular cycle is such an important indicator of your overall health. Yes. You know, like I said in the opening, it, it really is a cardinal sign of your body, just as important as blood pressure regulation, body temperature regulation, sleep cycles, your pulse, right? So losing your period is huge feedback from your body that is it is experiencing imbalance. And again, it doesn't see the system as safe. That means that there's other markers of dysregulation. You know, when I'm looking at a, a teenage girl or early 20s girl that's dealing with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, losing their period is usually a pre-sign to an autoimmune flare. So that means that like CRP might be up or they may be dealing with literally intestinal enteropathy or damage, uh, actual bleed going on inside their intestine lining or their GI tract. So again, the period is going to go on a break because that's a survival mechanism, right? But this can be a huge aha as far as autoimmune disease. Um, it's a huge warning that the body is experiencing imbalance and doesn't perceive the system to be safe. And it may seem just like one symptom, okay, I didn't cycle this, this month or, you know, during this window, uh, but it's really always a sign that there's something bigger going on. 
Okay. And then a lot of times when the body is in this scarcity mode or under super high stress, we can actually see elevated androgens or what we think of as more of the male hormones, right? Um, And I think it's one important thing to note that in cases like PCOS, um, that's typically associated or we think of as being associated with being overweight or insulin resistant, but that can and, you know, does occur pretty often in women who are of normal or um, especially underweight women as well. Yes. And this is one of those, I don't think you've ever gone androgenic, have you? Or has your testosterone been elevated ever? Never. No. <laughs> I, I was going to say this signs of it, like a little bit of the chin acne stuff, but uh-huh. no, <laughs> I'm, I'm really intrigued to see where my hormones come back, uh, post book editing. So I collected my last, uh, hormone test right before we went to Mexico. So, you know, before I did like a full oh, reset and all the woo, <laughs> all the healing that oh, needed boy. to happen I can't from wait the stress to see of a deadline. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I kept saying to Becky and um, for these past two months, I've been sharing with you guys also on social media and uh, podcast notes about how, you know, I we talked about in the fasting episode how I needed to personally adjust my fast because I was going very androgenic. So Becky and I have somewhat of a similar stress demand in the sense that, you know, we, we both are full-time clinicians or, you know, we're trying to drive this crazy bus of the Allie Millardi and Naturally Nourished brand and all the things. Um, and then, you know, I've added on their Stella and other elements and whatnot. Um, but I always go androgenic. Like my adrenal glands are like, let me at it. Let me at it. I'll take it. And Becky's adrenals are like, I need a nap. <laughs> yep. So yep. everyone, and, and we, you know, it could be that we both started hardwired at the same space. It could be that in utero, our mamas hardwired us differently. That's very possible. And there's research studies that show that, you know, in the process, even of pregnancy, that cortisol levels make an impact on babe. So it's very possible that regardless of, you know, where you're at today, there's been such a process of how your body responds to stress beyond nutritional influence, beyond gut integrity, beyond what you're currently supplementing with. And my body is one of those type A, and I know Becky's like a hustler, um, runs strong, does things, entrepreneur spirit. So that's what's I think really interesting. She's not like a like, uh, you know, like lazy, uh, don't want to do the work. You know, I've experienced those people in past life as well. Um, but Becky's not that. Becky has similar like mental, I would say, emotional commitments as I do. But my body physiologically like wants to punch things in the face. Like I, I go, my adrenals are so hardwired. No, it's true. I can feel it surging through my body. And sometimes I'll be like, I just can't talk to anyone today because I am going to be irritable short fuse, you know? Um, And thank God for Stella in my life because she helps me to reset that. Um, And I don't know if I would have gone as far in my business if I wasn't, but I am someone that goes androgenic, like, whoa. Like if if something, if I have too many haystacks on the, the tank, my adrenals go into aggressive, like I can feel them palpating literally. And, um, I get really aggressive chin acne. So that's that androgenic breakout. I will, um, lose uh, breast size within two months. 
I will, uh, my, my muscle tone becomes increased. Like I can notice when I feel hard in my arms because I don't exercise. You guys know that I just do <laughs> yoga and walking. So when I notice that I start to look cut, I'm like, Ooh, I'm going androgenic. Um, so it's just really interesting. And, and basically all that that means is that in my body, being someone that's generally an over HPA axis driver, I need to work on mellowing my system out because in fight or flight response, my body suppresses my ovarian hormone and upregulates my adrenal or androgenic hormone. So I go high DHEA. Like I bet my DHEA is over a thousand where it was pre-Tulum. I go high testosterone and then I go super low progesterone. So I'm someone that's been using bioidentical progesterone for four plus years and probably will through all of my childbearing years. Yep. I don't know what's wrong with me, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in your body, would it be fair? Like when your body goes under stress mode, it just suppresses all. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty much burned out across the board when I look at a hormone panel. Um, And I wonder if it's just a past life that I burned through that shit, like way too much when I was you know, vegan and running marathons and doing all of that stuff, or if I'm just hardwired in a different way, but I go flatline like across the board. And now things that Becky can use like pregnenolone, right? So you've listened to our past episode on that. Becky, because she's low across the board can use pregnenolone. Becky is going to have a higher demand of adrenal support, our glandular tablet, right? And me, I was taking adrenal support starting with probably like paleo FX April as the book deadline was working up in through KetoCon. And then June, July got punched in the face because my adrenals were like, (laughs) right? So again, whereas Becky can take adrenal support every day on the daily and is like just squeaking by with the level of adrenogen, excuse me, adrenal glandular compounds that she needs to function and and maintain that muscle mass and maintain that vigor and all that jazz. Yep. I even take DHEA pulsed in there. (laughs) Still doesn't doesn't do much. (laughs) I could never take DHEA. I know that, but we both take progesterone and we both take the pants off of relax and regulate. And that's the last thing before we go into our mid ad, I want to mention is relax and regulate is one of those awesome magical formulas that you can take, whether you go androgenic or not. Now, when I started noticing the chin acne, I pulled off that adrenal support immediately. I never was on pregnenolone because I didn't need the steroid build. Um, but I upped my adaptogens and I doubled down on my calm and clear and doubled down on my relax and regulate because relax and regulate has that magnesium bisglycinate, which is a neuromuscular relaxer. It also aids in metabolism of cortisol but the myo inositol in there. We'll unpack that further, right, Becky? We're going to talk inositol, some some hormone love. So I'll just space bar that. But that's the magic player of helping to reduce excess androgens in your body and support ovarian function. Yes. And so before we go any deeper, hopefully that little anecdotal bit was helpful for you guys in in seeing kind of the different um, iterations that stress can drive on our hormones. But before we go any further, Let's have a word from our sponsor for this episode, CrowdCow. Yes. So CrowdCow delivers the very best craft meat from farm to your table. What I love about them is that you get to know the breed, the style of beef, and you get to actually virtually meet the small independent ranch who produced the beef. 
Yes. And we absolutely love that their mission is to help people to discover and access high quality craft beef and other meats. They've got the whole farm, if you will, um, on their website at this point, they've got chicken and pork and, um, lamb as well. Sometimes wild salmon. Now they've added into the mix. Um, but they're really working to bring people together. So farmers and consumers, as well as family and friends around the dinner table. Yes. And crowd cow features hundred percent grass fed grass finished beef that is pasture raised as well as grain finished beef, depending on what kind of marbleization and your priorities as a consumer. So you get a really array of textures, flavors. And as we know, the diet of the animal is going to ultimately influence the end product of the protein. It's going to influence the omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acid structure, as well as overall nutrient density. Go on over to crowd crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished, where you will get $25 off your first order and free shipping. Again, that's crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished. Let them know that you're a listener of the naturally nourished podcast and that you too want to vote with your dollar to support local ranchers, small scale family farms, and nourish your family with best quality protein products. Also, while you're over at CrowdCow, make sure you check out their keto bundles. There is one specific to me and what the Miller family does quite regularly. It's called Allie Miller Naturally Nourished Bundle. Right now it's $110 for just under 10 pound of meat share. It includes two 12 ounce New York strip steaks, a pound of two pounds of dry-aged grass-fed ground beef, a three-pound bone-in pork shoulder roast, which I use for carnitas, chicken thighs, and a whole pasture-raised chicken that you can roast for a Sunday night dinner and use to make bone broth with the carcass. Going over to crowdcow.com backslash naturally nourished to save $25 and get free shipping. Okay. So that segues really nicely into my next question here. Let's start to talk about some of the nutrients and compounds. So we can talk both food as medicine, as well as supplemental at this point, um, to nourish your ovaries or, um, nutrients to help you recover from hypothalamic amenorrhea. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think even before, before we get into nutrients, I want to talk a little bit about the role of keto um, because, you know, some of the dynamics that we hit on, you know, could be caused from or resolved with keto, right? So just like how Becky and I respond very differently hormonally to stress demands, uh, it's just as important to kind of take that on a macroscopic approach with the diet. So as we mentioned, when you lose dynamic body fat or you're cutting, if you're in the, the weight, uh, building weight, muscle building, what's it called? Muscle. <laughs> or are those people called body We building? don't even know bodybuilding. <laughs> the weight Clearly building population. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, Ooh, uh, yeah. Anyway. So if, if you've been in a past life or currently are doing any, you know, bodybuilding competitions or are using your physique in the sense of uh, competitive scope where you're looking to cut, that means that you're looking to make dynamic changes in body fat. So, you know, there are people in the keto community that are doing keto to cut, and that's going to be 
the highest risk population. There's also people in the keto community that are doing keto to rebound and balance their hormones. And so their macros, their exercise, their output, their time-restricted eating will be very different, but both of them can be keto, right? Because all that keto truly means is a restriction of carbohydrates to reduce glucose and glycogen stores, reduce insulin demands so that the body makes this alternative fuel source of ketone bodies, right? So you can do that in an aggressive cut, um, or you can do that in a high fat diet. And the biggest thing to distinguish is that keto can be very therapeutic because the first nutrient that we look at to nourish our ovaries and rebound hormone production is fat. Fat is required as a building block to manufacture a hormone. Whether we are talking about progesterone, whether we're talking about cortisol, whether we're talking about thyroid hormone, any hormone in the body comes from that pregnenolone steroidal building block, right? Cholesterol plays an integral role there as well. And um, we need high fat to rebound hormone production. So if you are experiencing loss of cycle, the first thing I would do with the patient is up their fat by a minimum of 30 to 60 total grams per day, depending on where their entry point is. Yeah. And I think that's really important to distinguish that if you've lost your period, you need to tell your body it's safe by getting out of that restriction and probably adding more fat, more calories than you're used to or comfortable with. Yes. And again, upping the fat, you could still be in a ketogenic diet. Often what happens is, as we mentioned with the leptin episode, you could lose your appetite and you may not be eating Mm -hmm. enough. So doing a little bit of a diet recall, seeing where you're at, and then upping about again, 30 to 60 grams, which is pretty substantial on a calorie influence. Um, And that's going to be a really great way that that's you know, talking nine calories per gram there, right? So talking about 300 to 600 extra calories a day, give or take, if you're upping your fat to that level. Okay. Awesome. And then beyond fat as a building block for hormones, what are other nutrients of focus in this area when you're looking to rebound your period and and nourish your ovaries? Like your ovaries. Ovarian. (laughs) Your ovaries. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So B vitamins for so many reasons. One is that birth control and history of use of birth control depletes B vitamin status. Two is that B vitamins are cofactors for our neurotransmitters and are highly metabolized under times of stress as well as energy production. So most people that deal with hypothalamic amenorrhea are type A go-getters that are in overdrive mode. So bathing the body in B vitamins is absolutely essential to support neurotransmitter balance and also give the body the cofactors it needs to rebound hormone production and regulate that HPA access. So like my B complex would be a really great supporter. And for fat, I also want to state that beyond just getting that 30 to 60 uh, extra grams of fat a day, I also would ensure that you layer in an omega-3 fatty acid supplement at about two to three grams a day there. Um, So like my EPA DHA extra, really great supporter because that's also going to ring out the inflammation in the body. 
Um, so B vitamins are really fantastic. And within the B vitamin family lives inositol. So myo-inositol, which is the form of inositol that is in the relax and regulate, has been shown in study after study after study to be very supportive with PCOS. It improves cell signaling. So it works within the cell membrane to help messages of the cell communication. And it has been shown in studies to improve insulin sensitivity, reduce androgen excess. So that's why I was scooping that when I was experiencing my mm-hmm. adrenal beast within. Um, also, we've seen that it actually can restore ovarian activity and um, help with uh, egg health. Um, so actual egg, when the egg is released during ovulation, helping with the egg health as well in women. So myo inositol, fantastic tool there for getting your cycle back. Awesome. And then the magnesium in the relax and regulate doesn't hurt either, right? Right. I mean, magnesium has 300 plus enzymes of need in the body, plays a role with blood sugar metabolism. Like I mentioned prior, plays a dynamic role in cortisol regulation. So that's where kind of the name of this game comes back to. When you're looking to get your cycle back, you're looking to do what it takes to make the body feel safe so that it feels it can reproduce. Okay. Awesome. And then beyond that, on the subject of um, ovarian reserves and, and preserving healthy eggs, glutathione and NAC might also be something to consider like in our cellular antioxidants. Yes. Any woman that's dealing with infertility um, or is doing any form of like IVF or IUI, always putting them on the cellular antioxidants through their entire first trimester, because this is one that tends to be depleted in women with infertility, glutathione that is, which is the grandmama antioxidant. Also be mindful that antioxidants get depleted from stress, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that connection of that's also going to be prone towards a female that has like thyroid peroxidase elevation or that Hashimoto's marker of stress response in the thyroid. The cellular antioxidant is a really powerful way to regulate the free radical expression and protect antioxidant status, which means optimized egg release and function in the body. Um, So that's a really huge player. And when we think of food as medicine for glutathione and NAC, we think of all of our sulfur-rich foods. So we're talking about Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cruciferous vegetables, as well as your alliums, like your sulfur-containing onions, uh, leeks, shallots, garlic, and then even avocado is a really great form of glutathione as well. Yes. And then beyond that, vitamin D is one that we talk about a lot in um, the case of PCOS. For sure, often women with PCOS will have low D status, Um, but I think it's important to mention both vitamin D and calcium, more tying in that um, there is an increased risk of low bone density in individuals with amenorrhea. Yes, especially because we're usually thinking of the individual being underweight. So again, you know, that that hypothalamic amenorrhea when the body doesn't feel safe, it's usually undernourished or underfed, at least in the perception of the body. And that's why hormone is suppressed. So, you know, vitamin D and calcium rich foods in synergy are going to help with the structural health. Uh, We tend to see, like you said, yeah, bone loss or thin, weaker bones for individuals that aren't doing weight-bearing exercise or um, are at an overall low body weight. So that would be an influencing factor there. And um, again, within that though, Uh, we're really looking at, as we discussed in past research studies and uh, episodes, we're not 
necessarily recommending that milk is your go-to form there. Uh, we're looking at things like sardines with uh, bone in for the bioavailable calcium. And if you know you run low calcium, you're going to also see things like muscle twitches. Um, calcium plays a big role of feedback within our neuromuscular system, right? So we can see also things like anxiety. Uh, we can see things like insomnia. And the MCHC form that is in our osteofactors is going to be actual bone-derived calcium. So if you are to supplement, that's the only one I really recommend uh, because the citrate forms um, can really be prone towards calcification of soft tissues, which is not optimal, especially if we're looking for reduced inflammation and kind of keeping the body in this safe mode. Yes. And I'll make sure I link to in the show notes for today, our episode on building strong bones. So you can delve more into supplemental forms as well as food forms of calcium to support your structure. Yes. And then, you know, herbal world. So we said, uh, you know, the big things we're looking at eating more fat, of course, right. And within that omega-3 fatty acids, cause we've seen omega-3s to not only reduce inflammation, but we've seen omega-3s also to reduce excess androgens. So omega-3s really supportive B vitamins that myo-inositol and the relax and regulate cellular antioxidants. And then um, looking at like the adaptogen boost would be a really good one, or maybe calm and clear, kind of depending on where you sit with your stress response. Um, and maca layered in as a food as medicine tool as an adaptogen that specifically hits the pituitary and is going to help with that FSH-LH uh, relationship in the body. Okay. Awesome. And we have a lot of good recipes over on the blog for incorporating maca maca into everything from fat bombs to smoothies to putting it in your chocolate avocado mousse and beyond. So I'll link to a couple of those in our show notes, but let's recap um, just overall strategy for recovering the body and getting your cycle back. So eating more, eating more fat yeah. and giving up that caloric restriction, I think is, is the first big aha moment. Yes. So, you know, you need to probably come to peace that you need to break up with aesthetic goals of being cut and having a low percent body fat for actually creating harmony and balance within your body on an internal level. And again, allowing the body to feel fed safe to carry a child. So, you know, that means that likely you're going to have to increase percent body fat and likely also increase total body weight to get into that safe place before you can then, you know, readjust and, and calibrate. I would at least go three cycles at this higher amount um, of weight or percent body fat for the body to really feel safe before you try to play or tweak or bring back in even intermittent fasting. Um, if a woman is dealing with hypothalamic amenorrhea, I don't want them fasting more than a 12 hour window. So just resting the body those 12 hours during the sleep time and then right away getting in the fat. So whether you're adding fat and collagen to your matcha and then, you know, you're having eggs and avocado and sprouts and such within an hour or two of that. Uh, you don't have to eat every three hours or so. You know, you could eat two square meals and a thick, heavy um, shake or uh, snack, but you do need to be in an over um, surplus, if you will, of calorie intake for the body to get that safety valve reset. Sure. And there's no magic number for that. Like you, like you said, 30 to 60 grams of fat on top of what you're doing would be a good kind of starting point. But Starting point. Um, 
like you said, like giving up on those aesthetics. I, I say to women all the time, like, well, you can choose to have really cut abs or you can choose to have a cycle and have your fertility. And it's, you know, right. that distinction I think needs to be made. And, and within that world too, um, what about reducing exercise? That's another hard conversation I often have with women. Yeah. And at least the intensity of the output. So if you love boxing, if you love spin or whatnot, you might just have to reduce the rhythm or or the hit approach to it. Because again, the body perceives hit as a stressor. So you don't want the body to be in reactive mode. You want to get it into regulatory mode as best as possible. So using that cycling, but getting more of a cadence with it versus quick sprint and then, you know, uphill and working your resistance and back and forth jerky, that irregularity gives the body signals of distress, which is going to further suppress the ovarian hormone production. So working more on cadence type movements, um, you can still lift weights most definitely, but you're not going to want to, um, you know, max out or distress the body again, finding rhythm, finding balance, finding that parasympathetic space. So often if I'm working with a woman who, you know, has lost their period for a year or more and this is a priority and a goal, I will actually take them 3 months off of exercise and restrict to like a flow yoga or pilates and walking as the only recommendations with hand weights as an option if they wanted to stay, you know, fit and toned and then they can do lower body um things like uh um what's the word? Not, I was going to say squats, but what's the like hip thrusts and all those types of movements. It's just, you know, not going to be in a gym environment and, and less competitive and less intensive overall. Yeah. I think that's a really important point. And then what about other aspects of, um, shifting into that parasympathetic mode and getting more of that stress reduction? Yeah. So I think that sometimes we need to make peace with the internal disconnect. Like we talked a lot about in episode 129, running on adrenaline. I meant to do an Instagram live this week, which I will do. It's owed. It's owed to you guys. I'll put it out there for accountability on, you know, what it means to feel safe. Um, but I've been working on this a lot personally and within my clients. And, you know, a lot of times we perceive safety as, things that are expected or maybe that we're already experiencing. Like we have a shelter over our head. We have, you know, enough, enough quote unquote financial safety to, to eat, to do X, Y, Z as far as like security and the infrastructure within our, our, you know, day-to-day functionality. But if we are mourning the time that we are at work away from our children, if we feel disconnected from our purpose, if we are, um, you know, hating someone or feeling intimidated or toxic around the energy of someone that we have to experience on a daily basis for work environment or household environment, you know, maybe it's a divorce, maybe it's something else. Um, a lot of times these provide really loud signals of distress and insecurity and often just just flat out disconnect with the signaling within our bodies. And so we have to find a way to surrender to the flow and be at peace with what the now is. And, you know, I think that it's okay to say things like neutralizing the negativity. Um, so it doesn't have to be a, you know, smiley, happy-go-lucky motivational quote. It can just be something that resonates that neutralizes something that was once negative. So something as simple as this may not be my passion, but this is my present. 
is a lot more neutral than I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, <laughs> or I don't know why I'm here or, Oh, I hate that I have to do this. Um, so just acknowledging and releasing in that sense it, it is a great way to allow the body to feel safe or, you know, with the separation from my child, I will rebound in love fiercely. Um, or with, you know, so whatever you feel off about acknowledging and making either a resolution based statement or a neutral, um, devaluing the pain is going to help the body to feel safer. And ultimately that's going to get us deeper quality of sleep. That's going to support, you know, stress reduction and regulation. And some of this might need to be unpacked a little bit deeper. Maybe we need to go into cognitive behavioral therapy and work with a therapist or a psychiatrist or psychologist in the matter, um, where we're really processing these disconnects of mind, body, and spirit. Uh, and you can use physical practice like yoga and mantra and breath work and you know journaling and all this to, to connect the dots. But I really think that aside from physical exercise demands and being underfed, either calorie restricted or under eating timeline wise, that this is the Achilles heel for so many people, this, this disconnect from personal self um, and this lack of feeling safe. Yes. And I like what you said about neutralizing versus putting this positive spin because being inauthentic, right? If you're just like, oh, it's fine. It's great. Like I'll just put a happy face on and, and being inauthentic in that way is also going to further disconnect you from what's going on in your body and in your story. So I think that's important for sure to note. Um, what about other, we mentioned the adaptogen boost and the calm and clear, um, in terms of stress reduction, um, supplements. So I would reiterate those as another, um, piece of the puzzle of strategy yes. and, and probably, um, doing either our stress manager bundle or anti-anxiety, um, bundle as an entry point, if you haven't started on, um, those supplements yet. Yes. Both of those have GABA calm in them as well, which is a really fantastic releaser for rumination because rumination only creates this and rumination is overthinking, right? And repetitive thought patterns, whether they are anticipatory or uh, reflective, um, you know, overthinking about a conversation you had, what you said, what you could have said differently, X, Y, Z. And, you know, I've always said to clients, rumination only leads to bloat. And I find that to be very common also with symptoms. My over-ruminator clients tend to be constipated. They tend to have GI distress. They tend to have adrenal fatigue because they just hold on to these things that are already completed or done. And so GABA can be very powerful as far as reducing that uh, over-rumination. It can add a little bit of effort or release to your mind space and also can help with impulse control uh, as well as irritability short fuse. So taking that white knuckle of that stress response off can be really a powerful player for certain. Awesome. And then back into that world of supplements for a minute. Um, when would bioidentical hormones come into play? And, and let's talk a little bit about testing strategy. Yeah. I mean, if you've lost your period for more than three to six months, I would strongly recommend doing our Neurohormone Complete Plus panel, which is the combination of saliva and urine. And that's going to look at a four-point cortisol assessment. It's going to look at your uh, three different types of estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, your DHEA, as well as your neurotransmitters. Because often, you know, someone, so if you looked at Becky versus me, right, 
we would use interventions with Becky, like I said, pregnenolone, give her that steroid hormone because she's low in everything, including cholesterol, right? So give her that pregnenolone, give her that DHEA because both estrogen and testosterone are low, uh, you know, give her that, uh, progesterone. Now with me, if my DHEA is super high, um, and I've run elevated in some of my cortisol points, we're not going to want to give me pregnenolone because I'm going to convert all of that pregnenolone into more cortisol. And that's only going to drive more of this fight or flight stress beast that I carry, which is going to only throw off the expression of my sexual hormone further. So for my body, we're looking at metabolizing the excess of the androgens or adrenal players. Whereas for Becky, we're looking at bringing all hormone up to the table. So getting information is really important because you may on the outside express uh, where you think you're one or the other, but the only really things that are very safe to use without testing are the relax and regulate, the calm and clear, um, and then you know the adaptogen boost and those types of things. Now, in order to use bioidenticals, it's very important to have up-to-date clinical literature um, and, excuse me, cl- clinical lab values. Um, and so progesterone is one that is often suppressed because progesterone we think of as that primary fertility hormone. Progesterone uh, lows is one of the primary drivers of miscarriage and infertility. And that's the first hormone that gets reduced in a stress response. Remember the pregnenolone steel. You actually convert that back into androgenic hormones that the adrenals need for survival. So often progesterone in a yam-derived bioidentical form is a intervention that I will use, and I'm much more on board with that as a clinical intervention, of course, beyond any form of synthetic hormone. And just as a reminder for you listeners, anything that's FDA-approved Anything that is a prescription medication is not going to be bioidentical because you cannot patent that. So even like Loveza omega-3 fish oil, the structure of those marine uh, lipids are going to be adulterated so that that can be stamped as a uh, pharmaceutical compound. And that's why the EPA DHA extra is far superior in that true triglyceride form. It hasn't been adulterated for that stamp. Um, so when you're going for hormone, same type of thing, it's really important that the lock and keys fit the receptor sites of the body. So I always look for yam derived progesterone or estrogen. And often if there's anything in excess, I like to remove excess before I bring in something that was deficient. Otherwise you're just creating an excess of fuel for potential fire. Um, and if there already is fire, that's just adding lighter fluid to the flame. So you want to kind of mop up the excess before you would bring in another player. Um, and that's really important to take into account. Me personally, I use bioidentical progesterone days 12 through 28 of my cycle to help to support that secondary phase of my uh, menstrual cycle. And um, I find that 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 is a really powerful piece in my whole body health, including cognitive function, quality and depth of sleep, resilience to stress response, um, I think metabolic influence, blood pressure regulation, and, and so much more. Yeah. So just because you can get progesterone now off the shelf or on Amazon, Amazon doesn't mean that you should go out and put yourself on that without working with the clinician and without testing. 
Oh yeah. Because that in itself isn't going to solve the no, problem. No. Um, you know, it is just really downstream. It's symptom management, of course. Um, and then, you know, lifestyle wise, you want to work all the underlying mechanisms, make sure you're fed, make sure the body feels it's safe and, and so much more. Yeah. And I think one important thing to note here too, is if we went to a conventional doctor or OBGYN with, um, you know, the symptom of a lost period, they might say, well, why do you care? Or you might get put on birth control. And I know we've, we've harped on this in past episodes, so we won't go too in depth, but, um, why is that such an issue for, uh, the issue of hypothalamic amenorrhea? Yeah. So if you're circulating synthetic hormone, that actually can compete with production from the ovaries themselves and kind of dumb them down. That's what we call that birth control syndrome, where the body kind of takes a hiatus during the time of synthetic hormone regulation. So that can actually further suppress ovarian production and further drive your body's signals to be off. And I I just, this, this work and, and this type of, uh, focus on hypothalamic amenorrhea, I think is really important. Um, I just had a a teenage girl who's a competitive swimmer, very lean, right? And going to, she's in in the Texas area, going to Colorado to see an infertility specialist at age 16 um, to get her eggs harvested because they're saying that she's in early onset menopause. And it's like, it's hypothalamic amenorrhea. Right, right. She's a type A high stressed individual that's competitively swimming and she's over-exercising and under-fueling. Um, and, and so I just think that there's a lot of disconnect and mainstream medicine uh, maybe isn't fully buying into this, but there's a very one plus two equals three connection in all of the stories that I see and stress and under eating or over exercising is is ninety nine point nine percent the culprit. So I think that's a really good place for us to close out today's episode. Hopefully, we've given you listeners a lot to think about, and I think this episode is going to help many women out there who are struggling to get their cycles back or get their cycles back on track. So as always, if you love the podcast, please share this episode. And if you know someone who's struggling, please share this one with them. Leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. And also as you're listening to the episode, um, take a screenshot and tag at Allie Miller RD to let us know that you love it. Yes. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.